0: Welcome back to the FKT Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Anderson. Today, we're catching up with Andrea Sansone, who holds the female-supported FKT on Colorado's Nolans 14. Join us for more about what goes into planning a perfect route through the mountains, as well as the mental aspects of self-confidence, hard things, and discovering new strengths. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. It's really good to be here. So, Today we're going to talk a lot about your Nolan's 14 FKT and Nolan's is a bit of a Colorado FKT holy grail at least that's kind of how it seems to me. Could you kind of describe the route and what it is and and why it is so popular and you know infamous for those listeners that might not know?
1: Yeah, so Nolan's is a link up of mountains in the Sawatch Range. 15 14ers in the Sawatch Range, but Nolan's itself consists of 14 of those. And it's a line that consists of roughly about 190 to 100 miles on foot, depending on which route you choose to link up these mountains. And it's about 44,000 feet of elevation gain and loss. And it goes back it, it, it has a huge history to it. And, um, and I think what draws a lot of people to Nolan's is just the complexity of it. Um, and the mystery of how you can link up these mountains on foot, the, in the most efficient way possible. It's not super technical, per se, there's a couple routes that you can take that do land you on some ridges, and are a little more technical. But ultimately, I think it's just the draw of how to link these mounds up in the most efficient way possible that draws a lot of people in. I know in 2020, when COVID hit, there were a lot of ultra runners were drawn to Nolans just because there were so many races that were canceled that year. And so I think there were so many people who did Nolans that year. It's just such a huge challenge. It's a different type of Ultra, I guess Mm -hmm. (laughs) you could say, where you can take any route. It's up to you. And I know that the more you study it, the more efficient you can be. Um, Now with GPX routes, people can use other people's routes. And so I feel really lucky because I've had Andrew to teach me and kind of scout with him and find the best lines. But when Nolan's was first a thing, no one really knew how to link these mountains up. Um Mm -hmm. and so it was a lot, I feel like it was a lot harder back then, you know, to get even like just sub-six, you know, sub sixty was really challenging. These mountains, they're definitely near and dear to our hearts just because they're right in the Sawwatch range. They're close to home. And it's just been a draw to, you know, I think all types of athletes and I know lots of even just some friends who've gone out and oh we're gonna give Nolans a try. And you know, it's just I think it draws all types of individuals.
0: Yeah. Yeah, speaking of 2020, Nolan's FKT attempts are no stranger to you. You were one of those people (laughs) out there in 2020. You hold the mixed gender team with Andrew, the self-supported FKT for Nolan's. And you also added an extra peak because like that wasn't hard enough. So I'm kind of curious, like what made this attempt different? Obviously, you were fully supported, you were solo. and, And why were you out there again here two years later? attempting this crazy mountain FKT again. Yeah,
1: gosh. So in 2020, Andrew and I did it. And we first attempted it in, I think it was July. July, we attempted it. And actually, I had to stop. We got to Missouri. And I started wheezing. And I've never really had issues breathing in the mountains before. And so that kind of scared me. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have an inhaler. I don't even know what this is. I'm wheezing. Am I going to be able to breathe? I don't know. So so when we started going up here on, I was slow. I was having trouble breathing and I was kind of getting in my head. I don't know if it was as bad as I made it out to be, but I was scared. So of course it's the worst thing ever. And I'm just thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to breathe. So we ended up quitting going up here on, and then when we came back that August, um, I had my inhaler. I was like, I'm ready. <laughs> but we were talking to Megan Hicks and she was saying that there was actually a cold front that brought in a lot of kind of just crap in the air. And so I think that's what was going on. So when we tried it again in August, we were just having some really great times. But we did notice a lot of wasted time in there. I mean, we came off of Huron. And we spent, I think it was just about an hour just sitting in our tent that we had down there cooking ramen. It was so hot. And then we ate so much food. We were like <laughs> waddling out of the tent, you know, and just going so slow I have up done to the We were, it was, I mean, I had, I ate so much food and it was just, I mean, Andrew and I both, we were, it was just a disaster. And so, and then on top of, it was like on top of Huron, we were posting on social, Andrew took a little nap and on Elbert, we couldn't find some of our gear that we had kind of just stashed away for us and took us like 20 minutes to find our gear. So there was so much wasted time, Mm -hmm. Um, but we were still doing really well. I mean, we finished in 53 hours and 14 minutes on that Mm -hmm. run. And then coming off of massive was hard for us. That's the last 14er of Nolan's if you go, sorry, South North. And so as we were coming off massive, Andrew and I, we were in a low, we were kind of fighting and he was, and we had intentions to do Holy Cross which it, I think that adds on an extra 30 miles mm-hmm. um, after you finish massive. And so we were coming down and he was like, there's no way we're going to Holy cross. And I was like, why, what do you mean? Of course we're going. And so we finished massive. We took a huge break at the trail. It was like seven hours. And mm-hmm. it was just a huge break. And then we started for Holy cross and We did it because I was saying to myself, I'm never coming back to Nolan's. That was super hard. I'm never going to come back. So let's just do it. It's now or never, which was a really fun adventure. Going over to Holy Cross is really no joke. You're just completely in the back country. And the route is is just tedious. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're just... Bushwhacking, and it's just almost never ending feeling. Holy Cross is so far away. We were just hiking and hiking, and it was just seemed to not get any closer. So, <laughs> this year, after I had done the incline and the 24 hour record, I thought I was done for the summer, and I was like, Oh, that was great. I had a great summer. And Andrew was like, You need to go back to Nolan's. And he was like, You can get 48 hours, you know. And he was super excited for me. But for me, I just remember thinking, well, I was super happy with our 53 hour time. I mean, I love that number. 53 hours. That's great. (laughs) That's a great time for Noel." So I was not interested, but I knew, I don't know, there's this, I like the challenge. So when Andrew brings up a challenge for me, there's something that goes off in my head. I'm like, well, I need to complete that. I have a challenge in front of me and I'm going to go get it and I'm going to complete it. So after I decided, okay, I'm going to go for Nolan's, I was like, had this massive wave of anxiety feeling like I wasn't prepared because after the 24 hour record, I kind of roll fall off you know, Mm -hmm. my workout routine, I was still working out, but not super hard. I was past my peak at this point in time. And I didn't feel like I was ready to do Nolan's when I should be doing Nolan's at my peak fitness where Mm -hmm. I feel like I did the 24 hour record at my peak fitness. I know Nolan's I know the route really well, but I still lack confidence. That is my complete downfall. I don't have the confidence that I should have out there with the experience that I have in the mountains um, so I sent out a, uh, a poll on Instagram and I was like you, I was like who wants to see me do it by myself and who wants to see Andrew and I do it together and it was the majority were like yeah go be a team and go do it together so I was like ha, huh, see Andrew everyone wants to see us do it together you have to come with me so the plan it was kind of like my cop-out you know right. I don't have to do this by myself anymore, you know? And Andrew, he was super disappointed. He really wanted me to do it by myself. And so then the plan kind of switched. And then we decided that we were going to go north to south. And he was like, well, if I'm going to go with you, then we're going north to south. And we're going to get the record that way. And so I was like, fine, whatever, whatever you say, I'll do. (laughs) So he had to kind of get it in his head that he was gonna do Nolan's with me. And that required a huge mental shift on his part, more of a mental shift than what was needed for me coming off of the 24 hour record. Then we were a week out. We were about to do Columbia, Harvard that day. We were camping out and we were just getting ready to go to bed and Andrew came down with kidney stones. And it was just like the worst experience of our life. and. It was horrible. I landed him in the emergency room after six hours of hell on earth. It was horrible. I was like, come on, you can still do Nolan's with me. And (laughs) (laughs) So that got me like, okay, well, I have a decision to make. I'll either do Nolan's or we're not going to do it. And for whatever reason, Andrew convinced me and a couple of the guys on our crew convinced me and Sarah Hansel was talking to me. Megan Hicks was talking to me and they were like, you can do it. You can do it. Because previously I had actually contacted Megan and I was just like, Andrew's going to do this with me. I don't think I'm ready to do this by myself mentally. And she understands that your mental needs to be in it. If it's not in it, then Mm -hmm. you are not going to be successful. And so I was just really lucky to have everybody's support. So I think that's kind of what pushed me to go. I also have a fear of like letting people down and and failing. And so if I don't really feel like I can do something, I feel like sometimes I do fall back to Andrew, you know, being like, well, let's just do this together because I feel more confident with him. So I sent out a post and I think it took the pressure off of me. I think it's what really allowed me to say, hey, I can go out and do this, but if I fail, I don't want to disappoint anybody. So, I was just like, "Hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do and I'm going to start." And I didn't want to hide it from anyone. I was like, "My goal is to get 48 hours or under 48 hours. I wanted to get 48 hours or below." And and I said that if I, you know, if I got one, two, three peaks in and I wasn't hitting my splits, then I was going to call it. And so I think that just allowed me to be like, "Hey, I don't know if I'm going to do this." And I don't want to be embarrassed about it if I do fail. Cause when I have a challenge in front of me, it's, it's for me, I want to be successful. Yeah,
0: yeah totally. I think I want to back up a little bit because you mentioned the incline, you mentioned your 24 hour record. And I think it'd be really interesting to kind of hear that progression because you started out the year with a pretty major injury injury. And then you built up to setting this stunning Nolan's record and along the way set two other FKTs. A lot of times we just focus on the FKT itself, but like your progression this year, your training this year is fascinating. And I would love to hear more about that.
1: (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, You know, I think I really shocked myself in, (laughs) in this year, I went into this year, like when I was training in January, I had no idea what I was training for. Andrew and I kind of had some ideas thrown around, but we didn't really have anything set in stone, which kind of is hard for me. Like we have already planned kind of what our summer's gonna look like next year. And that really helps motivate me. Mm -hmm. And so when I was training through the winter, I didn't, it was kind of a self motivation because I didn't really have anything specific I was training for. So I started in January because the holidays are really hard for me. I never do well training from like November, the month of November until January is (laughs) really hard for me. Um, And so it was a really muddy winter. The mountain, quote, unquote, near our house is North Table Mountain. And we usually just use that as a running trail for us. And that's kind of where we mainly run. There's also a mountain near Red Rocks called Mount Morrison. It's a really cool, it's steep. So it really helps us get our climbing legs into shape. It's about 1,800 feet and a mile and a half. And so in the wintertime when I was training, North table was super muddy. And so I was just down in my basement doing insanity workouts. Um, That was kind of my go-to all winter long. It was every day I was doing an an hour insanity workout. And Mm -hmm. I think that built my base. And so that was good because usually when Andrew and I do different workouts, which is rare, um, but through the winter, we did entirely different workouts because he hates insanity. He thinks <laughs> it's painful and he he would rather hike all day long for 20 hours instead of doing a 1 hour insanity workout. So we had trained uh just completely differently and uh which built my base and then I got out running in the spring when the spring came and i realized that oh like my cardio didn't my cardio was good mm-hmm. and i was running i was meeting some like i always i have we have these times that if i meet certain times on certain routes then i know it kind of gauges my fitness um
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and so i knew my cardio was was still pretty good and so I kept running, not really knowing what I was training for. And then I ended up breaking my foot, which was a huge disappointment because I just feel like when I get injured, it's never good. I always lose my fitness, lose my cardio, gain some weight. And it's just not the time to be injured going into the spring. And that's when I'm supposed to be ramping up. And so I uh, took four weeks and did a lift program program and i really cleaned up my diet and it was during that time where i had a friend who was telling me that she just did 13 laps on the incline and they call that the inclinathon and i when i was thinking about it i was like now there's something that really tailors to my strength like just climbing i don't have to think about anything i don't have to do anything all i have to do is climb and i'm good at that and so <laughs> I was so, as I was thinking about it, and I was like, maybe I can just go set, you know, a ridiculous amount of laps on the Manitou Incline. I was like, Andrew, what do you think about that? I was like, what do you think about 16 laps? And he was like, oh, you could do that easy. And I was like, well, <laughs> he says that, but he's not the one doing it, you know? Right. He always says, oh, you could do that easy, but he's not the one doing it, so he can say that. <laughs> I'm like, so, so I kind of made a spreadsheet and of some splits based on how my times were on the incline previously. And I was like, well, if I do about 40 to 45 minutes up each lap, thinking I'm going to slow up towards the end, that would leave me around 16 laps. So that was my goal. And so I kind of just did that lift program while I had my broken foot. And then I think it was two or three solid weeks. I was on Mount Morrison because that gets my climbing legs into shape. I went down to the incline once and did a couple repeat laps on there. And then I spent time with my cardio on North table and I ran, I usually run like six miles, six to seven miles. So I decided to do it. I think it was May 31st, I think it was. The weather was perfect, it was cool and cloudy and everything just kind of came together. And I ended up shocking myself doing 19 laps and Mm. it was really cool. I was really consistent with my, with my each leg that I was going up each lap and It was just it went really smooth. I wasn't tired at night. I didn't know how I would do at night. It had been since 2020 since I did anything overnight, because in 2021, I had knee surgery, which put me out for months. I had a pretty severe knee surgery. And so I didn't know how the night would treat me, but it was fine. And that was really cool. And I think that is what gave me the confidence that led me into the rest of summer. Yeah, Andrew and I, we had always thought about the 24 hour record that's always been on our thoughts, Um, but we never really put thought into it of how we would do it, what we would do. It's kind of just always been something we toyed with and considered, Um, but we never planned it out. And so after the incline, I was like, I need to do the 24 hour record this year. And Andrew agreed. He thought that if anytime this would be a great time to do it because I think the incline put me at I think it was like 38,000 vertical feet in like 20 hours so I was like shoot if I could do that I could do something with the 24-hour record and I figured that since the night treated me
0: so well on the incline then I think I'd be okay on the 24-hour record so for the 24-hour record that's the number of 14ers in 24 hours correct Right. So the 24-hour record is how many 14ers can be climbed in
1: 24 hours. And the women's record was eight, and the men's record was 11. And I ended up doing 12. And that was really cool. I didn't one-off any mountain, I always grouped them. And so that is a little stressful, because Colorado has something called the 3000 foot rule, where you have to start climbing a mountain 3000 feet below the summit, or it doesn't count. But you also have to end 3000 feet below the summit. So you can connect peaks, that's fine. But as soon as you come down from a mountain and get into a car, you have to descend 3000 feet. And then when you drive to the next mountain, or start your next section. You have to start three thousand feet below the summit. So that was a little bit stressful because we thought twelve was going to be really tight. And so what was unfortunate was that if it was really tight, I ended on Bierstadt and Evans. And so starting three thousand feet below the summit on Bierstadt, and then hiking up, I had to know that I had enough time to get over to Evans, and down three thousand feet, or Beer stat doesn't count as well. So I could have completed beerstat, mm-hmm. gone over to Evans and if I timed out 2,000 feet below the summit on Evans then beer stat wouldn't have counted. So uh-huh. that made it really stressful for me. So I just really was hoping that I would move fast enough to where I didn't have to deal with that pressure. And it was cool like my legs turned on for that day and I had great splits. I was beating all my times and I ended up finishing that in 22 hours and 16 minutes. So I thought that was really cool. I was super excited about that accomplishment. We didn't have a plan for 13, but we do if, you know, one day if we do go back to that, we're kind of thinking about, oh, well, what would we do if we added a 13th peak on? Where would it be? There's a lot of options to add on different peaks. So there's a lot that you could do with the 24 hour record and figuring out which peaks and
0: when and where and things like that. Yeah, that sounds like a fun puzzle.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, a it's crazy, because some of these mountains they're really they're not technical. They're your basic mountains. It's, you know, Gray's and Tories, Democrat, Lincoln, Ambrose, Bear, and Evans, they're some of the mm-hmm. most popular. Mountains in Colorado, but you wouldn't believe the logistics that went into this. Oh, I yeah. mean, we, you know, it was crazy. And it was like, well, what side of the mountain are we going to go up? What's the closest drive? You know, should we rent an ATV? Where is that going to be placed? And what's going to be the benefit of the ATV? What roads are we going to drive that on? And so it takes a logistical master. Andrew really knows the 14ers probably better than anybody. And so he is really able to help me put all of that together, which is, I think, just such a key component of all of this.
0: Yeah, for sure. And kind of speaking of, you know, assistance from the outside, I'm kind of curious Mm -hmm. because all your FKTs, or most of them, seem to have been self-supported or unsupported or with Andrew. What was Mm -hmm. it like to go out and do Nolans with a full team of Pacers and crew and the whole nine yards? It was cool. Like that was the first that was the first time I've ever I
1: mean, even when I say Pacers, it's it's just weird to me because I I've never like used. Pacers, And it's just it's such a foreign thing to me. And so I'm like, well, what's that like, you know, and it was just really cool to, uh, to have a team of people that wanted this for you as much or if not more than you want it for yourself. And I think that is just really cool. Like the pictures that I've seen some of my crew take and the videos that our friend Riley took when he was out there with all of us and just everybody working together to do what was needed to get me to 45 hours was just incredible the amount of work and that was part of my motivation like I can't let my team down I mean I had Dan who flew out from Minnesota to mm-hmm. support me you know and I had Joey who was out from you he was out here but he came from Utah you know I was like oh, well I cannot let this team of guys down you know right. and so I- just that they were all there for me. And it was, I remember, so Joey was with me on Shivano, tabwashin and, and Antero for the first half. And he was also with me on Elbert, but I remember saying to him right before we got started, I was like, I don't know how this pacing thing goes. So sorry if I'm really awkward. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do. Do I talk? Do I not talk? Do I? And I was like, I don't know how this goes. I don't, I don't know. So he was like, Oh, don't worry about it. And he he was great. He, he just talked to me the whole time. And he just has such an energy that's it's so captivating, you know, he's positive and he's fast and, um, and he just is in tune with you. So he just keeps you going. And so after we got like 10 minutes in, it just became kind of a natural feeling, you know, with having these guys, come with me, being in front of me. I do remember sometimes like leading off being like, sorry if I don't talk, you know, and mm-hmm. and, I, and it's like, it's okay, you know, but I do remember, so I had headphones and I had intentions to listen to music at some point in time during Nolan's because I always do. That's my thing. I'm always listening to music. It keeps me going. And I had downloaded so much music for Nolan's and I didn't listen once. I listened for maybe five minutes when I was with Andrew hiking up Columbia in the nighttime. And that was it. And it was just, it was crazy because it's, you don't even think about it when you're hiking with other people, you know, especially people that I don't know that well. It's almost like, I don't, should I put in my headphones? Is that rude? Is that weird? I don't know. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but yeah, it was just really cool. I liked it. I thought it was really awesome. It really bonds your people together. Mm-hmm. Like when I finished, I just couldn't believe how much support and how much effort they put into me. It was almost like mind blowing. You really have to care about somebody to do that. And it really brings you together as a team. So I really love, love that.
0: Yeah, I can definitely relate. I've only had a pacer one time and that was at Western States. And I do remember at one point in the night being like, I'm sorry, but I'm going to listen to my music now. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know. This is probably really rude, but I'm done. I, I'm putting my music right. in. Right. I was like, I don't know how to be paced. I'm used to just being out here and doing my thing on my own. And Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. And when Andrew and I are out there, I mean, half of the time, we're just not even talking and someone's up ahead or someone's behind and we're someone's in a low. So, so much of it is just like headphones in and just trying to get through, you know? Yeah, exactly. yeah, on Nolan's, I saved Andrew for all the hard legs. It's interesting because Andrew jokes that I do worse when I'm with him mm-hmm. and better with other people. But I just think it's because I save him for my hardest legs. He did all of the night peaks with me. And I know that's when I'm the most tired. That's when I'm the grumpiest. And, and I think because I am more comfortable with him, I allow myself to feel those emotions right. when I'm with him. So Columbia through Missouri was rough. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> that was really hard. I did great going up Columbia. He, I have a video. He's like, "How do you feel?" I'm like, "I feel great." And literally, when I touched the summit of Columbia, it was just on <laughs> like a downward spiral, <laughs> and it went downhill from there, which really shocked me because based on the incline and the 24 hour record, I really had a great first day. And so I thought, of course, my first night's going to be fine. I have nothing to worry about. It's going to be a breeze. I've I've done two really hard things. And it was fine. I had a little low on my 24 hour um, going up beer stat, but it just lasted until I got to the summit and the sun came up. But Mm -hmm. unfortunately, I had the entire night for Columbia through Missouri. And so Mm -hmm. it wasn't like, oh, in an hour, the sun's going to come up and you'll be fine. No, it's like eight, nine, 10 hours of dark, 11 hours of just darkness where I'm just, I can't even keep my eyes open. Right. So I had a lot of sad moments. I was a little bit out of character taking the Columbia to Harvard Traverse and then going up Missouri. Those are probably the two most technical sections that I do on Nolan's. A lot of people descend off Columbia, below the ridge to get to Harvard. But what Andrew and I do is we just take the ridge line, and so there's some difficult scrambling in there for sure. And when I'm tired, I I think it kind of puts me out of character. After going so hard that first day, I was just tired, and I was wanting the difficult leg to be over. But I still knew that I had Missouri, and thinking about how am I going to get through the night, and I'm so tired and Andrew's trying to cheer me up and it's not working. And so he feels guilty and he feels bad that he can't cheer me up. So then there's just kind of this negative emotion between both of us. And it's really hard. I think that's one of my most, this one of my downfalls. I I don't suffer. Well, <laughs> I get sad, <laughs> you know, I get sad and grumpy and I, you know, through this winter, I really want to work on suffering better. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how to do that, though, because <laughs> I <laughs> I always think of these big endeavors as just like, like we were talking about earlier, just a challenge that I need to meet, you know, and although these mountains have my heart and soul, there's also a competitive piece that looks at this as a task, and I need to complete it. And so the scouting really has my heart and soul. I mean, there's nothing like being out. I mean, we all know that, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're into just being outside, you know, it's just there's nothing like it. But when you're in the midst of this task, I think for me, it's hard to be like, wow, this is so awesome. I'm enjoying every minute of it, even when I'm suffering. I don't know how to enjoy suffering.
0: (laughs) So I'm gonna work on that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I think that if you figure that out, there will be a lot of people eager to hear what the yeah. what the solution is.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Andrew kept telling I kept feeling sorry for myself, you know, and 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 I just remember Andrew up there telling me, look, you're not the only person who has done this and has suffered like this. Mm-hmm. And everybody else did it. Everybody else got through it you can do this, you know, stop feeling sorry for yourself. (laughs) I really was, you know? And, and so that was a really, I think that was a pretty key reminder where I thought about Megan and I'm like, Megan was out there. Megan suffered. I thought about Sabrina. Sabrina was out there. She suffered, Sarah suffered, like all these women and who went before and even in the beginning of Nolan's like Missy and, you know, just, they all have been out there doing this. I'm not the only one. So,
0: um, so I think that was really helpful advice to me. <laughs> for sure. And I mean, I think it, it just goes to show like it's important to have the right pacer with you at that low point to tell you that. Cause not everyone will tell you that. You need right, the right person. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Andrew's not afraid to
1: like be like, stop. <laughs> you no, know, stop feeling sorry for yourself. <laughs> right, you know? Yeah. He he knows me well. Um, I think what's hard for him is that like he tries to get me out of these lows, whereas for me, I just have to come out of it when I come out of it. And unfortunately, it lasted all night for me. After I got off of Missouri, Dan and Forrest were at Cohesie Lake, and they were waiting for us to get down. And I wasted like a half hour, which also leads to me saying, man, I'm I'm still not happy with my time on <laughs> Nolan, because I'm I look, I'm like, we were hours slower than my projected splits on Columbia through Missouri. And then I wasted a half hour at Clohese Lake. I'm like, God, I could bring this down to like 42. I'm still not happy. But I always have to go back and think, well, no one's going to have a perfect run. Who has a perfect run? It, It doesn't, that's very hard. But anyway, so after we got to Clohese Lake, I took a half hour, I rested, I was on the verge of quitting. I didn't know if I could complete it. So Andrew was like, well, let's just get up here on and see how we do. I just felt like I was moving like molasses so slow. And then by the time I topped out on Huron, we realized that we were right on my splits. And that was shocking to me. I had no idea. I thought I was so far behind my splits, which I'm glad that I was on my splits because if I was behind, I probably would have quit thinking, well, what's the point of going on? So to know that I was on my splits and the sun was up, that changed my low to just a continual kind of ongoing slog for the rest of the way with. In and of itself, highs and lows. It wasn't all a low from there on out. I had my peaks and valleys and my doubts, um, especially in the heat of the day. That's really hard. You know, going up, going up La Plata was really hard because it was so hot. So I just remember just being desperate. Anytime there was a river from there on out, I soaked myself. I had, you know, my crew just soaking me down with water bottles of cold water. And that just felt so good. I mm-hmm. loved that.
0: Yeah, the heat. I I've climbed in Colorado a little bit and it's it's always so brutal because you're just out in the sun. Like there's no shade like when you're above treeline and it's just so intense because you're at altitude and like you think it's going to be cool but you're just roasting.
1: Oh, it's so hard. And let me see, coming off of I think Princeton was always the mountain that I always dreaded the most because on Nolan's with my previous times, it was always Princeton where you were in the heat of the day. And it is you're starting so far down where so you're just in the trees for so long and you're in just the heat for so long. But because I was ahead of my splits, it was actually Yale. That was hot. (laughs) Uh And so I was just desperate to just get to altitude where it's cooler, you know? Going up Yale, I remember just being hot and coming off of Princeton, being on the Colorado Trail, headed to Indian Flats, that was all pretty hot. Walking on the road where it's just pavement and the heat, it takes a toll on you. Yeah, for sure.
0: So, what overall would you say was your biggest takeaway from? either Nolan's or just maybe your whole year, man, the biggest takeaway for me, I would say
1: is just, I can do it, (laughs) you know, because I did shock myself. I mean, even looking back, I'm just like, wow, this, that was a pretty cool summer that it's all possible, you know, and even if I don't have the confidence to still go out and try, because I know that if The right people have confidence in me that I can be successful. And I think same to that for really anybody. I think a big takeaway is just go out and try and do it. And you can shock yourself, you know, and I think with the right training and the right crew or whatever, the right planning, we are so much more capable than what we realize. And I'm glad I really am glad that this summer was kind of, separate from Andrew as it kind of separates me from Andrew a little bit, you know, even though I really, we live for the co-ed things that we do. We love it, you know, and really next summer is going to be full of co-ed things that we do together because it's been a while, but I do think it's also important to kind of each kind of just separate yourselves and kind of do your own successful attempts every once in a while. And I, and when I say that we're a part of it in certain ways, like he'll always be my crew and I'll always be his crew and he'll always hike with me certain times and I'll always hike with him. And so it definitely gives us a different also spin on our relationship and how we help each other out. And there's definitely a lot of benefits on going out and doing this kind of being by myself this year. I mean, it really was the first year that I've kind of gone out and had my own records, you know?
0: Yeah. I think that that's really a great message and, and super important. I think for a lot of people to hear, like, even if you don't feel that confidence, like you're so much more capable a lot of times than you give yourself credit for. I mean, I've grown so much. It grows you. You can learn
1: so much out there. Even, I mean, because I knew that I was going to be doing no one's by myself, I went out and I did these routes by myself in the dark, knowing that I'm going to be here in the dark by myself, better know it, you know? Right. And so it really just grows you in so many ways, just being out there. It, helps you learn a lot. I mean, it's a little different than like Sarah went out and she did it solo self supported. That is, (laughs) I just think that's a whole different beast. That is incredible. I'm so proud of her for doing that because you're really solely dependent on yourself to keep Mm -hmm. yourself awake, to keep yourself happy, to keep yourself fed and everything you are your responsibility. So, I mean, I just, that is really cool. But I think that in any attempt, There's so much to learn when you do anything.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed our (laughs) talk. Yeah, this was awesome. I love being here. So thanks so much. Thanks again, Andrea, for coming on the show. You can check out her FKT report on the website, fastestknowntime.com, and follow her on Instagram, HeySanZone31. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, this is Heather on the FKT podcast.